Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. My name is Nathan Chula, and I'll be your host for today's episode. You can find the Bridging Chicago podcast on our website, www.bridgingchicago.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today, I'm very grateful to have with me founding artistic director, Mark Howard, and artistic director, Chelsea Hoy, of the Trinity Irish Dance Company. Mark, Chelsea, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing these in person again, because I feel like this stuff, like mm-hmm. the, the, the spirit of the podcast, this really comes out. And so thanks for coming in to our studio here. Um, I was really interested when I heard about the Trinity Irish Dance Company, about what you're doing and sort of why you chose to do it in the way that you did. But um, before we learn about that, we always like to start with what brought you to Chicago, whether you were born and raised here or moved here from somewhere else. So Chelsea, can you share with me first, what brought you to Chicago? Yeah, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, um, and I came to Chicago in 2013. Um, for college, but I also grew up in Denver as an Irish step dancer my whole life since I was six years old. And when I came to Chicago, I joined the Trinity Irish Dance Company that very first year. Um, So I attended Loyola University, and then the Trinity Irish Dance Company is what has kept me here. This is going on 10 years now in the city. Yeah, I definitely also want to talk about your experience at Loyola because um, I understand that you studied psychology there, which is really interesting because like mixing psychology and the arts, I, I definitely want to get into that. But before we do, Mark, why don't you share with us what brought you to Chicago? The Queen Mary Ocean Liner uh, from Europe. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> My mother and father are Europeans, uh, you know, Irish born, British born. And uh, I think I was a year and a half old. Um, I don't remember all the details of the voyage. Um, <laughs> But uh, I grew up on the, you know, Rogers Park neighborhood, you know, sort of blue-collar family. Yeah. And uh, my sister and I, Irish danced with the Denny School of Irish Dance here. Um, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough, uh, I don't know how they ever afforded to send me to St. Ignatius High School, but that's, uh, you know, a, a kind of a turning point in my life for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the Jesuit, Jesuit education and, you know, just the normal stuff. I played soccer, yeah. this and that. And I was maybe 15 years old when I quit Irish dancing, but by age 17, I was teaching Irish dancing, yeah. which was not my idea. But, uh, you know, that happy accident led to a string of others. Yeah, something we've learned here is it's almost never that person's idea to do what they end up doing, but it's like opportunities happen and they take them, they make the most of them. Um, do you remember anything about being abroad? About I mean, a year and a half, it's so young. No. Nothing. Yeah, I, I, I can, you know, as they say, remember obscure lyrics from the 1980s, but I don't know where I put my <laughs> I definitely don't remember that. But there's great footage of, you know, black and white silent movie type stuff, you know, coming into New York and the Statue of Liberty. And uh, my parents were enamored with this star, Pat Boone. They, you know, every Christmas we watch these videos, like literally every Christmas. Uh-huh. Pat Boone was on the boat, and, you know, there's all kinds of, I guess I should be talking about it. I, I'm being succinct here, sorry. No, you yeah. But uh, I have great memories. I idyllic, like, you know, leave it to Beaver Blocks, you know, Rogers yeah. Park. It's all, you know, wonderful parents, wonderful upbringing, um, all positive energy. 
and uh, love Chicago. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, let's get back to your experience at Loyola um, because I, I do want to get some thoughts from you on the, what made you choose psychology and then how that integrates with your work in the arts. So share with us, you know, when you're heading into college, is that something you knew right away that you wanted to do or how did you land on, on what you studied there? Um, I was undecided for the first two years in terms of a major. Um, I was definitely someone that was raised by my parents to follow what I loved, mm. very gratefully. So yeah. I have always been an artist in lots of ways. I love to write, draw, paint, um, and as I said, I've been dancing almost my whole life. Yeah. So I knew the arts were always going to be part of my life. Psychology is something that I took a class in high school and I really enjoyed it. Um, and my first few years at Loyola, I just kind of followed what I loved to learn. So I majored, I ended up majoring in psychology um, because I was just very interested and engaged with the subject. Um, I majored in photography and I minored in math. And people, people think those <laughs> okay. things are all very unrelated, uh, but I found lots of connections between yeah. them. And most importantly, I enjoyed them all. An interesting made-up fact is that everything Chelsea Hoy does is art. Yeah. Like, even the way she just structured that answer, you probably saw what she did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's something that I have heard from friends over a long period of time, because I've never been a person that previously had identified myself as a creative person or as an artistic person. And now doing the podcast, I see that more because interviewing is an art, the stuff that we do with the promotions and the graphics and all that stuff takes some creative uh, skill and um, brain power to do. But before that, I never really considered myself as a creative and art or an artistic person. And creative people will always tell you everyone is creative in some way. You know, we all have our different ways of expressing that. But for you, what is important about young people, especially? getting to interact with their creative side and really getting to bring that out and making that maybe not just a part of what they do on the side, but a part of their education or a part of their growing up. Yeah, I think creativity is something that gives children and anybody, but it starts when you're a child, a voice. Yeah. Um, and it begins, uh, here comes the psychology, <laughs> but it be begins before a child can actually communicate through language. Okay. So using their hands, drawing, painting, you know, finger painting, that all starts before children can string sentences mm. together. And so the creative side, the imaginative side is so important and is something that some people don't have in their day-to-day -day life. And I've been lucky enough to be able to make the arts what I do every day. Yeah. There's of course lots of aspects to running a nonprofit dance company that don't that aren't just all creating right, right. <laughs> all the time. But um, unlocking that part of your brain um, really helps with problem solving um, and I think most importantly is something that allows people to understand one another better. Yeah. We we've heard the whole left brain, right brain thing where some people are identify more as left brain and some right brain, but I think with what you do with the psychology, the arts, and the math shows that you can actually have a real balance of that if you press into those areas. Yeah, I think dance is definitely something that I 
I had dances at my safe place mm. growing up, and it's continued to be that way. Um, but it's a way of communicating both with yourself in your body, feeling completely whole in your own body, but also yeah. communicating with others. Um, but Irish dancing specifically is also a very analytic dance form because it's a percussive form, um, the rhythms of Irish music. It's really closely yeah. connected um, to math. So children that are growing up Irish dancing often see a correlation between their math skills. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Mark, I, we were talking a little bit about this before we went on the air here, but I, I want to revisit this. Um, because I was really interested to find out that you retired when you were 15 from dancing. Um, that's well before most people even start working in something. So we know that you started dancing at a very young age, but can you take us through your dance journey and sort of what brought about that retirement and sort of how you handled that as a 15 year old? Well, my Irish dance journey was sort of a series of quitting Irish dance, I think. You know, I was, uh, you know, I was five years old in Rogers Park taking Irish dance in the back room of a well-known Irish pub in Rogers Park, and then I went somewhere at, like, Harlem Foster. It's, it's absolutely disgusting that I can't remember the names of all my dance teachers, um, but uh, uh, since it's such a prominent thing in my life, but um, at some point, you know, we decided to go to really the best Irish dance school in the city at the time and really in the country, uh, the Denny Irish Dancers. So we would drive all the way from Rogers Park uh, to Bridgeport and sometimes wow. even as far as Beverly. Um, so they were very committed, you know, my parents to us rediscovering our Celtic roots. Yeah. Um, and I was okay at it. Uh, my sister was better. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we, we were champion Irish dancers, as you call us, and, you know, we won some stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and then the, the you know the natural progression. I mean, I, I quit Boy Scouts the minute I got into high school, as you do, sort of. And you know, when you're playing soccer and you're yeah on all kinds of clubs, you know, by age 15, I just sort of was over it. And it was absolutely not my idea to teach Irish dancing at age 17. I was talked into that by a buddy, and uh, we just started teaching in a church basement and in a field house. And uh, as I say, lots of cool, happy accidents from there. And I'm sitting here talking to y'all. Yeah. And it is really interesting because, as you said, it wasn't your idea, and yet when you are in a basement somewhere or, you know, a lot of these, we've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, and they say, oh, it started in my bedroom where it started, you know, I was working after hours doing this or whatever, and um, there's varying levels of success. There's varying levels of people, families, or um, friends sort of identifying with that and saying, oh, yeah, you should pursue that. You're really good at that. Keep doing it. Um, but for you, when you started doing that, um, how did your family sort of come around that and your friends? And then how did you feel about the idea of that being your lifeblood, that being what you were going to do long term? Well, see, I had no idea that's what I would do long term. And there was actually a funny story I was telling out on Navy Pier last week. Was it last weekend we were performing uh, with Chicago Live? Yeah. And uh, I actually started my journey as a teacher on Navy Pier, almost mm -hmm. on the exact spot at the end of the pier. Uh, my buddy, uh, you know, when we were just, we were, we were performing, the two of us, with an Irish band. And he just said, can we please start our Irish dance school now that he was trying to talk me into? And, and I just said, oh, I don't know. And, and you know, he's like, well, your parents are in Wisconsin on vacation, so they're not even going to, you know, what I did 70-some hours before I get in trouble. You know, <laughs> and I did get in trouble, 
Uh, and uh, so that's where it was born. We just announced it in front of a big crowd. We gave you period kids started walking up and joining right away. Wow. He's now a judge, uh, a lawyer, Jamie, James McKinney, good guy. Um, but uh, from there, it's just, how long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, you know, if I just fell in love with the process of the teacher-student relationship. Yeah. Really was what intrigued me. I remember the, you know, when you consider that maybe 10,000 children have gone through the for-profit Trinity Academy of Irish Dance um, over the last 40 years. This is our 40th anniversary, actually. Wow. Um, you know, it's kind of remarkable that I remember the name of the child, the first child that won a medal. Wow. Um, she won like a third place medal. You know, 20 other kids won the same thing that day. Her name was Siobhan Joyce. And I just saw this reaction from her grandparents and her parents and, and just the idea that I had anything to do with yeah. bringing that joy to the yeah. family and to that kid is really what. And I remember going to sleep, you know, at age like 17 or 18 after that first competition thinking if I die tomorrow, I've lived like this ridiculously amazing. Wow. And so that that was my initial draw. And then um, I had none of Chelsea's artistic skills, but I definitely was involved in, you know, art and drawing. I had no idea that I had an ability to choreograph uh, material that could win competitions for kids. So that was my first realization or, you know, um, and uh, do you want me to go into this a little? Like, I felt like, you know, from there I took it seriously and uh, at a young age, I had I got this crazy notion in my mind that America should win a world title in Irish dancing, you know, even though we were like the Jamaican bobsled team, you know, <laughs> and uh, just put my mind to it as a coach and a choreographer and uh, just wonderful students and really, really supportive uh, families and, you know, that Chicago can-do spirit, and uh, we eventually did it, you know, yeah. and that was a big moment. That was like 1987, I believe, and then that got us on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which... Back then, that was like the only TV show anybody watched, um, and uh, that led to all kinds of other opportunities uh, to do other, just pretty much every national TV show, you know, that exists. Yes. You know, we, we ended up doing, um, and film, and um, we started, people started seeing us on these, these, you know, through, that's what I would call multimedia at the time, and so we get invitations to dance with the royal family in Monaco at their castle, or, you know, um, a guru, literally a guru, you know, from India invited us to perform. So uh, Trinity Academy of Irish Dance started to be visible, you know, yeah. on not just a local level, but a national and even international level. And then there's the next part of that journey that turns into the professional company, which Chelsea's really good at telling this history even better than I am. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to hear the story about the professional side of that and sort of how that integrates with this but um when you were starting this and when as you're building this i mean you talk about being on the night show and all these other options that you got but in the early stages did you feel like it was like you had to put some legitimacy behind what you were doing and behind the academy like did you feel like people were taking it seriously or were people like oh this is just another dance troupe that goes and does parades and you know retirement homes and such um Maybe not thinking it's anything bigger than that. Well, I think there's that European, you know, that work ethic that I, you know, was instilled in me. So, you know, I would be in a retirement home doing a performance, you know, giving the best performance we could possibly give in that retirement home. And, yeah. Um, so 
it's all serious. I mean, all you know, elevating the community, um, making people happy. We take that very seriously. And uh, you know, today the Trinity Academy of Irish Dance flourishes. There's you know locations all over Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison. We're even launching a South Loop location. And you know, they the, they really it's a mission driven organization to you know um, elevate children in the community through the power and grace of this art form. So we take it very seriously. But the whole thing is based in fun. It's based in positive vibes only and uh uh it's just why we you know what life is about is dancing and, yeah and celebrating our humanity so yeah the children are incredible to work with and uh i miss that part of my career for sure you know yeah. i miss all the you know, christmas cards and the hands on you know so a good maybe 20 years into that i had you know reached every goal that i was looking to reach competitively and all of those things and uh we were you know, I didn't realize that a lot of the work that was being done, that it, that it was innovative, really, it was just what was coming out of our heads. And and, uh, and then I was encouraged by the dance community in Chicago, very notably people like uh, Gail Calvert, who is really the person that built Hubbard alongside uh, Lou Conti, and so many great people in the, in the nonprofit performing arts world in Chicago latched onto the school and really celebrated this and invited us to perform everywhere from, you know, Ruth Page, you know, awards to, you know, all kinds of performing arts things, which was odd for us at the time. Yeah. And um, then it was just suggested, you know, by, by you know, people like Gus Giordano, to throw a name out there, you know, like, you know, you should be the artistic director of a non-for-profit. I'm like, what's a non-profit? And it's a 501 what? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just, I kind of enjoyed the idea of being the artistic director, it seemed important <laughs> compared to Irish dancing director. And so on this, you know, as silly as that sounds, that's really kind of where it started. And I was informed that you, know, you have the repertoire, you you know, that the branding was there. So in 1990, the nonprofit Trinity Irish Dance Company was launched and uh, with its you know, board of directors and uh, set up as a, you know, really a, a um, um, a forum for creativity mm. in an art form that is really driven a lot by competition and all of that. And, yeah. and instinctively, um, I never would have done that to do something commercial or you know, or where we would we ever get money to launch something like that. So I just wanted to elevate the art form. Um, and I saw the performing arts circuit, the same circuit that a Barishnikov was dancing on, or Albany the Dance Company, or Hubbard Street. That was the place to go to celebrate. Uh, Irish dance in a serious way because I grew up with it being, you know, shamrocks and green, yeah. green beer and you know and, and all that. And I, my family, you know, back in Ireland and in England, you know, they would tell me wonderful stories about you know really Celtic Ireland, and, you know, just you know Yates and O'Casey and you know, the artists that have come off that island, you know. So I wanted to like sort of represent that more and, and elevate the form. Yeah, and that's successfully what we've been doing for, for years now yeah. at that professional level. Before we get too much further, Chelsea, uh, can you kind of define Irish dance for us? Because I don't know if people, I'm sure people are picturing something. You were talking about like the St. Patrick's Day sort of caricature of, of Ireland here in America. Um, but uh, give us some elements of Irish dancing and how people can identify like what it might look like. And then also talk about the professional side about what it's like for the dancers and you know who are, who are doing the work or the teachers what your kind of role in that is and how you 
partnered with Trinity Irishman's company to make to further that to grow that aspect of it. Yeah, Irish dancing. If people are thinking of it in their heads right now, listening to this, they're probably envisioning a, sh a commercial show called River Dance. Okay. Um, and that show was actually a commercial reaction to the work that Mark was doing mm. um, in the late '80s and early '90s. And River Dance is really what has made Irish dancing a globally renowned art form. Okay. I don't know in how many countries there are Irish dance schools right now, but it's all over the world. So back in 1990, when you watched the Tonight Show where Mark's getting interviewed, Johnny says, what is Irish dance? And yeah. you would never hear somebody say that really today because everyone's seen it somewhere, whether yeah. it's the St. Patrick's Day Parade or somewhere on TV or the Riverdance PBS special from 1995. Mm. But Irish dance is a traditional ethnic percussive dance form. Um, and the characteristics of traditional Irish dance are arms at your side. Um, there's legends about why that is. Yeah. Uh, curly wigs is a lot of what people uh, sadly picture today. Um, but there's two types of Irish dancing shoes. There's the hard shoes, which make the percussive sounds. Okay. They're similar to a tap shoe, but they sit higher off of the ground and they're made with fiberglass tips and heels um, as opposed to metal. And then there's soft shoes, which look like mm. more like a ballet slipper. They okay. lace up really tight. Um, but the Trinity Irish Dance Company is a, really a contemporary Irish-American, uniquely Irish-American um, dance company. So everything we do is rooted in Irish step dance, in traditional Irish step dance, but we put that through a performing arts lens. Okay. And we're an art-driven company. So our repertoire celebrates the form as Mark has been doing for a long time now, through different lenses, exploring the possibilities for where it can grow, um, but in an integrity-filled way. It's been said that the Trinidad Dance Company that is on this performing arts circuit, you know, internationally, is not only like the best at what they do, but the only one that do what they do, because there's commercial shows, and then there's Irish dance schools that children, you know, yeah. dance on St. Patrick's Day and compete. And then there's the performing arts world. There's some people dabbling in there that are doing good work. But in terms of the full rep company, um, Chicago is the birthplace of Progressive Irish Dance and the Trinity Irish Dance Company. And uh, the work is pretty unique. You know, that, that uh, Chelsea is now a co-choreographer as well, which she creates and sometimes guest you know, choreographers, which we should talk about a little bit. Um, earlier, you were saying, I just wanted to comment Chelsea, and she actually has an analytic brain as well as that creative mind, you know, which means her real threat, you know, triple threats. Uh, and uh, that's what I appreciate the most. I've never choreographed uh, Irish with anybody um, other than myself. Um, I co collaborate with contemporary choreographers and things like that. But Chelsea and I, this is the first time in my life, what was it, four years ago, we choreographed the circus together. It's been such a pleasure to have somebody that can complete your sentences or can yeah. start or initiate something that you can grab onto and make better. You know, yeah. so yeah. it's been an exciting last few years. Yeah. I also want to make sure that we touch on uh, on the nonprofit aspect of it because I think that's important as well because um, I didn't know that there were for-profit and nonprofit versions of these dance companies and um, with the Trinidad Irish Trinity Irish Dance Company being nonprofit, why is it important 
that is a nonprofit organization and sort of how does that change the way that it interacts with the city or the city with the company? Yeah, it's a great question. Nonprofit, and I explain this to dancers that are auditioning all the time because growing up in Irish dancing, you know of these for-profit productions. Yeah. Um, so the essence of a nonprofit is that it's not driven by money. And so in an arts organization, that allows your creative freedom and your purpose mm -hmm. to not be constrained and not be controlled yeah. um, by the pursuit of money. It also means that it's a struggle. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But nonprofit organizations of all kinds rely on support in order yeah. to function and in order to thrive. So nonprofit dance companies, um, it's a pretty standard model and they rely on the support of foundations, of corporate support of individual donors, mm -hmm. in addition to performing. But when people see that we're at the auditorium theater and it's a packed house, two and a half thousand people, a lot of people would go see a performance and just walk away thinking, oh, they're making a right. whole bunch of money. Right. But the reality of the situation is that we're, we're either breaking even just to make the show happen or maybe even losing a little bit of money. And the theater yeah. is a nonprofit as well. Okay. Um, theaters don't make money on dance. Dance is, I just recently read, the most underfunded art sector in the United States. Um, that's not the case, I don't think, in Europe, but specifically in the United States. Um, performing arts dance struggles a lot, and it's an incredibly important art form because it's human bodies. Yeah. And you can interact with dance in a different way than you can interact with a film or with a painting or with a book. Um, but it relies on the support of the community. So being a Chicago-based company, we need Chicago to support what we do in order for us to continue doing it. Yeah. Chicago is really very good at supporting, if it knows, I think is, is the big thing. And I think getting your name out there is certainly always really important. And so the reason we do what we do is to share these stories and to share what you're doing, because some of the things that you talked about are the value that it adds to the city, to its culture, to its vibrancy, but also the incredible benefits that it gives to the children and to the performers that are doing this because um, they don't sort of learn how to do this and perform and then walk away from it completely and it's just not a part of their lives anymore. But one of the aspects of that that I, I'd like to touch on really quickly because um, I know that uh, I, I've looked at some of the stuff that you've done, I've looked at some of your performances, some of the photos of, of the dancers, and one of the things that I noticed throughout is there is a level of discipline in that that has to be really, really high. You think of martial arts, you think of other creative avenues, and you're thinking, and these are very disciplined young people. And so can you share about that aspect of what the benefit it provides in discipline to the kids and how that sort of affects their lives and changes um, what they do. Yeah, all of our professional company members grew up dancing at local Irish dance schools. 
Um, some of them grew up at Trinity Academy, but some mm-hmm. of them, like myself, I grew up in Denver dancing at an Irish dance school, the Wake School. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have dancers from Philadelphia and Seattle and Indianapolis. All of these dancers have moved to Chicago to be a part of the Trinity Irish Dance Company. But we all grew up in competitive Irish dancing, which teaches great resilience. And the art form requires a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said earlier, it's also incredibly empowering form i think more so more so than ballet because you get to make sound so a lot of um times children are attracted to irish dance specifically because you get to put your heart shoes on and um make noise and so the discipline of a professional company member is quadrupled but we've all grown up learning those skills um through our irish dance journeys um, but the, the discipline of, of any professional dancer, whether that's in Hubbard Street or the Joffrey Ballet, um, it's a lifestyle. It's something that you dedicate yourself to, but it's something that you also need. I yeah. think our dancers need it to to feel whole or to fuel themselves creatively um, and also physically. Yeah. And as Chelsea didn't mention, I think one of our newest company members would like you to say, and Francisco would like us to say that, we have dancers from Mexico yes. now uh, for the first time in the company, which has been thrilling. Yeah. I also thought I should just add on something you were asking about the why the nonprofit, you know, journey versus commercial. And um, is it okay if I circle back that? Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I was just thinking while Chelsea was responding to that, that, um, you know, uh, this, this will actually get a great name drop in and explain it. So there's this director, Sam Mendez, who I got to work with for um, on the film Road to Perdition is in town. And he's a theater guy, you know, and his first film won an Oscar, um, American Beauty, I believe this was a I think it was his second film. But he he told me that he he wasn't having a great time because he first all of all uh, Tom Hanks being such a famous, you know, um, celebrity and Paul Newman you know, those people had to be casted for ticket sales, you know, but right. might not necessarily have been the right, you know, uh, people f- to, to do the film he was trying to do. So it was like great cinematography, you know, where there were there were people, we didn't know who they were at the time. Daniel Craig was an unknown, you know, British actor. He was a great actor. So, you know, I often compare like what we do to like, say the difference between Hollywood films where there's a recipe and you have to hire Mark Wahlberg, you know, yeah. Uh, even though he might not be the right person for the role, um, and the independent films that are produced. So, you know, like us, we were independent. If we were in the film world, we would be independent filmmakers, and we would be raising money for our projects, and we'd be getting a second mortgage in our home to pay for it. And yeah. We'd be doing all kinds of experimental things, and when those experimental things work out, um, they get adopted by the commercial worlds mm-hmm. of the film. So, in the same way, if you want to do work with substance. You really have to be in the performing arts and looking at it through that lens, and that is what Alvin Ailey is doing, and that is what you know Giordano Dance in Chicago is doing. Yeah. Um, so in the commercial world, you have to, you have it has to generate a lot of income. There has to be three encores. It's a recipe. You know, not one's not better than the other. It's just very different. So yeah, we instinctively want to create work with meaning that doesn't simply entertain, but also matters. And it pushes you know this rock up the hill uh, to to bring this beautiful art form of Irish step dance to the same prominence as forms like ballet, and jazz, and tap. Yeah, and I think that is 
pretty key to people understanding why what you're doing is important because it, it matters more than just people who want to go see the show because it's like, yes, the dancers are going to get something out of it and the people who go and see the show are going to get something out of it. But having your company succeed, whether it is for-profit or non-for-profit, is good for all people, really. And I think that, um, you know, hopefully people interact with that. Hopefully people go to the shows. Hopefully people, you know, young kids get to see this because I think that their thing is that in the Midwest, especially, I feel like there are certain things that people are supposed to do. You know, kids are supposed to do certain things, you know, sports or, you know, gymnastics is really popular for young girls or, you know, boys feel like they're supposed to be athletes or whatever. And it's like one of the things that I really like about um, about these days, it's like kids aren't necessarily tied to this thing anymore. They can do whatever they they want, they can interact with a lot more things, they can do a lot more of the artistic things, because I think that we're starting to get to the point to where, you know, in the past, if a, if a boy wanted to dance, he was sort of judged for that and labeled for that. But now, do you see that sort of changing where kids are more expressive? Well, I'm frankly going to say that I'm disappointed in how much it hasn't changed. Because okay. when I was a kid, you know, I... You know, for fun, I'll just tell you, on St. Patrick's Day, my mother would send me down to school in the kilt, which is, you know, based on some of the bullies in my neighborhood was dress. And yeah, so yeah, I yeah. get myself into trouble on the way to and from school. And But anyway, uh, you know, it's a shame that, that, that sports yeah. is like just jammed down males' throats in this country and that, you know, dance isn't more televised. And, and you know, because we were just at Hubbard the other night and the male dancers there, the athleticism is insane. And... I can just tell you that I was lucky because this is an ethnic dance form that's connected to where my people are from. Mm. And I, you know, sort of, you know, was lucky that I jumped into it. It changed my life. It changed the, my sensibilities, the way I could conduct myself my entire life. I feel lucky to have been not just a dancer, but also an athlete. But what I got from dance versus what I got from playing soccer, it's not even comparable. I mean, yeah. everybody plays soccer, you know. Yeah. But there's no depth or meaning to it. it you know, it's just a, to just have empathy. It's I, I can go on and on. It's just yeah. put your boys in dance. It's just the greatest thing you could possibly, the greatest gift you could give for them. Yeah, and we've heard how dance helps kids with sports. With yeah, their, yeah. Like learning about how to use their bodies to move and to... Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's, it's, you're learning how to, how, how to move in time and space yeah. versus just hit that guy in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's pretty... <laughs> Lock that thing, slide yeah. that you know, put yeah. your body in front of it. I really, I really like volleyball. I play a lot of volleyball, mm -hmm. and um, and it's you know, it's huge overseas. Like, there's leagues in Italy and Japan yeah. and China and Turkey, Every, you know, there's leagues yeah. everywhere almost. And um, it's just one of those things like, there's a lot of people who play here, but it, you, you, they cannot get it professionally going here. Um, and I always felt like people don't understand the athleticism it takes to play that game at a high level because it's like you look at football and basketball and you mean those guys are huge they're athletic well athletic doesn't mean big it doesn't mean muscular um you know that's not the only meaning of it i think it's also like the ability to control your body in certain ways and to right. be able to make movements on a dime and all these things that the dancers do that have the ability to do that and the work that they put into it is really inspiring well, this is why we believe so much in, in being part of something that is not driven by money. We need money. Yeah. I mean, when people see Trinity Irish Dance Company is what the most 
tour dance right. company of foreign company of any kind outside of Japan. We've been going there for 20 years. And you know, when we're you know in the city performing at the auditorium theater, they just think we're flush with money. But right. We obviously are not. Right. Everybody's help. Like so many things are going well for this company. We're about to really take off internationally, and we do need Chicago behind us, you know, yeah. financially. But you know, because it's not driven money by money, we can do. You know, we can win that battle of substance you know, versus spectacle. Yeah. You know, and um, when things are controlled by money, they turn into the NFL, which you know doesn't allow. They don't want you watching volleyball. You know, and and so you know when. You know, whatever corporation controls all the vegetables in the country, they're going to give you butter mushrooms. They don't want you to know there's a 150 varieties of mushrooms yeah. that are better than butter, butter, butter mushrooms. Yeah. The minute you get away from money in the commercial world and all of that, you start to really see the world and, yeah. and all the beauty that's in it and all the creative people and all the beautiful food, you know. Yeah. Right. Or you yeah. can just go to a mall and, <laughs> you know, take out your credit card and just be a, you know, a lemon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, come see our show. Yeah. Well, you should definitely go to one of the shows because the stuff that I've gotten to watch, I haven't, <laughs> haven't gotten to a show, but I'll definitely make it out to a show. But for people who want to connect with you, who want to support you, um, how can they do that? How can people uh, in this city especially come around you and support the Trinity Irish Dance Company? Um, so you can read a lot more on our website, trinityirishdancecompany.com. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Our upcoming season, which is in the winter and spring, includes a really exciting performance on April 22nd at the Auditorium Theater. Um, and this is a special performance this year because it's a triple bill. It's going to be Trinity Irish Dance Company, Doran's Dance, which is an incredibly renowned tap dance company um, out of New York, and a local Chicago tap company doing great things called Mad Rhythms. So that'll be an evening of percussive dance on April 22nd. Um, and then from there, people just check our website. They can find out where we'll be. Uh, but we're an international company that's based in Chicago. So unlike some Chicago companies that have full residencies in Chicago, we are often um, sharing what we're doing with Irish Dance on a global scale and representing Chicago everywhere we go. Yeah, they, they really are great ambassadors for the city of Chicago. And, you know, this is a company that, you know, just did a week run at the Joyce Theater in New York, which is a very prestigious thing to yeah. do yeah. Uh, internationally, you know, for dance. Um, there are agents in New York is talking about Jacob's Pillow um, as this possibility soon, which I've dreamt of performing it, you know, them performing there for many years. Um, so somebody listening to this podcast might be the right person or somebody listening might know the right person. But another way you can help this company is by considering board membership. And mm -hmm. uh, we have a wonderful board of directors, but we need people like from, you know, the banking world, from the marketing PR world, from, you know, all different disciplines, you know, and that would come and help. If you're proud of Chicago, and you're, you know, you're proud of this company, just know that they're, they're doing amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting to hear the background of the story because I think when you see it on the stage, it all looks really, really cool and it all, you know, you just get enamored by it. But when you hear the story of the hard work that it takes and um, and the way that the city can support you, I think is really important. So thanks for sharing that. Thank yeah. you for having us. Wonderful. Yeah, and I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. 
You can, you can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. You can also find us on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago, or you can visit www.bridgingchicago.com. And be sure to follow and visit Trinity Irish Dance Company on their Facebook and Instagram and their website, trinityirishdancecompany.com. And mark your calendars for that April 22nd, 2023 date, where they will have three dance companies on one stage. So thanks again for joining me and thanks for tuning into this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.